You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're live, pal. What is up, everyone? Jose Young here, the MMAfighting.com. After it's been how long? It's been like a week since we've done one of these shows. Uh, we've had a little. We've had fights, so we've had to step back. We uh, have fights. We usual... have actual fights. People punching each say, other for money. Wednesday to Wednesday. Wednesday to Wednesday is what we normally did until this quarantine pandemic and fights were canceled. But we are back. This is, of course, Dave said live chat joining me. It's my usual partner in crime on Wednesday. I don't know where he is on your screen. He's on my, I don't know. I don't know. He's on one of my sides. The other side of me, of course, is Casey Biden. No guest fighter this week because we've had a million fight interviews. We've had a million scrums. We've had a million post-fight presses. We've had virtual media days, whatever you want to call it. So we're just going to talk fights between us of course this is not our show this is your all show you can go on twitter use hashtag the a side or just reply to the tweet in question with uh, with the link or you can go on the site and leave your question in the comment section the green ones will of course be prioritized but uh if it's a good question we'll ask it uh and casey's running the youtube comments so if he's a good question he will pull it up oh you know casey live of course because you've seen him uh i don't know how many times this week on various preview shows way too playing many, shows way too many. Uh, people are starting to wonder, like, wow, who's this new employee you have? Literally, <laughs> yeah. I know he's been working for like about 12 years. Uh, but, Pete, I'll start with you. How's fight week been for you across the pond? Yeah, it was um, it was, it was, was big. It felt big on the night. Um, but I can tell you, a lot of people are talking about, oh, the fighters aren't conditioned the way they used to be, etc. I'm not conditioned to stay up at 6 o'clock in the morning any, anymore. I'll tell you that much. I had, oh yeah, oh yeah, um, a whole packet of hot dogs in one and a half hour kind of gaps between them to keep myself awake throughout the process. But we got there in the end. Thank you. I deserve that. I deserve that. <laughs> um, it was. It was. I put on a half a stone in total, so six pounds to seven pounds. I put on in one night. I'm very proud of that. Hey, PT, stop avoiding the, the, the tough questions. Right there in the screen. What's my favorite subway sandwich? Favorite subway sandwich. I think they all taste like ass. All right. <laughs> there goes our subway sponsorship. Jeez, man. Big fan of us, though. Big fan of us. <laughs> All right. Off to a good start. Off to a good start. Casey, what's uh, fight week been like for you now that we have fights? You've been busy as ever now that you've been oh, manning. Man. You're usually here. So this is what? the One of the first North American pay-per-views you've not been at in how long? Uh, since 103, my, since my first UFC I actually worked at was UFC 104, which was in 2009. That was, uh, Shogun versus, um, Shogun, Machida versus Shogun won. And, uh, that was, uh, and since then I've been at every single North American pay-per-view. So, uh, the streak is broken. 249. COVID-19 got me. Um, so yeah, I couldn't make it. So it was it was interesting watching it from home. Uh, you know, watching a pay per view without pants. You know, so it's different. It's, you know, it's a change of pace. I'm living the pizza sure. Carol life. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I heard I heard you set up the camera and interviewed the dogs after it just just so it would feel normal <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was Fezzik's uh, response to the Justin Gaethje's win? Oh, she said it was rough. Rough. <laughs> oh, yes. Come and, on. Come on. And Rubella, what'd she say? 
That's all I got. <laughs> like, That's all I got. Come on, man. <laughs> but anyway, we got questions. I mean, you have questions. We'll try we got, to provide we got lots of questions. <laughs> we have a lot. It's been a long week, guys. I'm, of course, still in Jacksonville. I'll be at UC Jacksonville later tonight. And then UFC on ESPN whatever on Saturday night. I lose track of these. Uh, but Casey, what is our first question from our lovely listeners? Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. You've asked us how we are. How are you, Jose? You've been, so been stuck in a room, <laughs> socially isolated. Like, tell, tell us. It's uh, oh yeah, because we didn't put a coffee talk out uh, on Sunday. It's it's weird, man. I'm this these these four walls are just. I I'm in Jacksonville, but I don't feel like I'm in Jacksonville. I pretty much only see people in the hotel. Like I see fighters walking around, like going to their rooms and coming back. I see fighters going to get. Uh, food. I see UFC staff. I see one or two media members. So I've been seeing the same assortment, ragtag group of individuals for about a week now. And I can't wait to get home, but work has to be done. Uh, the COVID-19 scare is for real. Everyone is wearing masks everywhere. Like if you see someone not wearing a mask, you're kind of put off by it. You're like, why, where's your mask, bro? Uh, Unless you're apparently dead. there's some AW, apparently there's some AW wrestlers in this, uh, Hotel too. I think I've seen one or two, but not too many. Uh, but it's it's a weird situation. It's a weird vibe. Uh, ooh, as my microphone falls down. Uh, yeah, I can't I can't describe it. You could tell me I've been in this hotel room by myself, and I would uh, this hotel by myself, and I'd believe you. Uh, I see so few people. We can't really leave the premise because nothing's around. Even if we wanted to, like there's signs that say do not leave the premise unless you absolutely have to. Uh, and then I went. I tried to go to Walgreens because I needed some batteries. And the Walgreens is one of those Walgreens built into an ER. So I'm not going to go into an ER whatsoever. Uh, So I was walking around. And there's like a beautiful body of water right here. There's a nice drawbridge. I walked over the drawbridge and back. And there's just no humans. Everything's closed. All the offices are closed. All the restaurants are closed. All the bars are closed. Everything is – there's no life where we are. There's rarely any cars. There's like a handful of bike riders. We see a bunch of yachts and like – sailboats and jet skis and everything i even saw a dolphin yesterday but hey there's some good news you saw a dolphin there's i saw a dolphin (laughs) but i it's i can't i can't lie to you it's uh the isolation is for real and it's it's very odd it's a very odd feeling can i ask you a very important question jose hit me What's the room service menu like? Let's let's get down to the real things. Oh, I don't get room service, my man. There's a there's a market downstairs that has like uh, various like sandwiches or flatbreads or chips or sodas or anything. So I've been doing that. There's one restaurant downstairs that's open. There's only one. I I assume that's where room service is. Just that tiny menu. It's not bad. I live in the middle of Arizona, so fish freaks me out in Arizona. So anytime I'm on a coastal uh, state or city that has actual access to seafood, I'll eat seafood. So the seafood's not bad, but uh, I'm kind of tired of that place, honestly. I'd like some real food outside of this hotel. Uh, but what can you do? I'm stuck here. <laughs> All right. Oh, oh well. That, that was depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get to some Thanks questions. for bringing all that fun, Jose. <laughs> I aim to please, gentlemen. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> One moment, get our little. Hold on, our first question. Hey, look at us! Look at us! Look how cute we look down there. People can't see us all the time, okay? Some people just listen (laughs) to this. One moment. Oh, that's too small. 
Pizzi provide us with the on hold music. Questions. All right, there's our theme song. And you know what? I'm gonna go straight to I'm gonna go straight to our YouTube comments from longtime uh commenter. Trumbo. Oh, no, not Trumbo. Is that El Kukui Holloway? Yeah. yeah. Oh, most, you know, <laughs> underrated, most underrated fights tonight. So I, he's obviously talking about UFC Jacksonville, headlined by Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira. Pete, I'll start with you. Uh, what is the most underrated fight to look out for uh, on UFC Jacksonville? I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to Brian Keller v. Hunter yeah. Hunter Azore because he's the Crystal Crew. It would be a disgrace for me not to mention Brian Keller, the Tiger's Eye ambassador for uh, the East Coast of America. I, I can't wait for that. I love when this guy fight, fights undefeated fighters. I feel like it's really playing into his plot, his storyline at the moment. He's taking on all these up-and-comers. He wants that Sean O'Malley fight, and I feel as though a win over Azuri plays into him being this contender series hunter, as he was talking to us about on Eurobash this week. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it's on nice and early for our European viewers. You'll probably get that one before midnight. So uh, tune into that one, definitely. Casey, we did a preview show with Laura Sanko and Mike Heck. Uh, I was, of course, on it, but you weren't on it, so you weren't allowed to answer this question. What is the most underrated fight uh, on this card? You know, I'm, I, I'm actually super excited. I want to see Drew Dober versus Axon Hernandez because I just don't know what uh-huh. that fight's going to bring. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be an exciting striking battle and not, and not just um, Hernandez using his. I assume he has a slight wrestling advantage, or at least a top control advantage. Uh, but but um, I mean that's a, I mean if he wins that way, he wins that way. But I'm hoping it's going to be kind of a giant slugfest. I'm really interested, actually. Um, Ben Rothwell versus OSP. Really, that's I just I, I just that's kind of a freak show match in a sense. Is like like I've been you know we've been here working MMA for the last 15 years, and not one time did I say it. I was looked at the stars at night and go, you know what? OSP should fight Ben Rothwell. Never said it once. But it's happening as a co-main event for um, a UFC fight night. So I'm like, heck, I'm, I'm just curious. And I'm also um, happy that, um, like you said, uh, Crystal Crew member Brian Kelleher is fighting. Uh, what's the gentleman's name he's fighting? Azur- I can't. How do you say Hunter Azure. 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 Um, no, Azure is normally a 35 or two, right? Yeah. So they're both gone up the featherweight. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I love that. I love the fact that, that the UFC allowed – these guys to fight a weight class up. Two bantamweights fighting at featherweight because uh, I don't know if we want to get into the Carl Robertson thing right now, but uh, I just think it's a very dangerous time for big weight cuts right now, right. and it's just it's unnecessary. It's just so have everyone fight a weight class up. Bantamweights, bantamweights fight at featherweight. Uh, what was uh, what was what was a uh, Vittori? Is eighty five or so? Yeah, eighty five or should fight yeah. at two hundred five or at least one ninety five. Just Change it so they don't do these massive weight cuts during these very difficult training times. Um, so, yeah, those are my exciting. Yeah, how, how, Sorry? how about uh, the situation? I know, I know, Robertson's in a terrible situation there. But how about Marvin Vittori traveled to London, was there for a day, gets sent home, was scheduled to fight in April, gets ready for that, pulled fight. Now he's after traveling to Florida, and his fight's pulled off on on the day. Essentially, that's. That is a rough deal of the cards for me as well. Oh yeah, that his virtual media, his virtual media day scrum. He said after five months of asking, I finally get a fight, and then look what happens. They make weight. He thinks they're gonna fight. 
Uh, they talked a lot of trash. Uh, 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 Carl Roberson, I think, made the mistake of talking trash back after mi- mi- missing weight. Never want to see that. Uh, he was like, bring that energy, bring that energy. And everyone's like, you missed weight, man. Like, you have nothing. You can't say anything. Uh, but yeah. You know, he, 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 he gave him 20%. He's now allowed to talk shit. I don't care about that. <laughs> like, here, he I, paid good money for that shit. Dog. Paid good money. He's like, so I disagree with that. You pay money, I can say any shit I want. But, of course, unfortunately, um, I guess the rehydration process didn't go so well. And um, we haven't heard yet if um, the gentlemen are getting paid. I hope they're getting paid. Um, so, But that's that's another topic. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm really excited for the Chase Sherman-Isaac Villanueva fight. I think someone's going to sleep in the first round in that fight. Uh, Chase Sherman, former bare-knuckle heavyweight champion, uh, if people forgot, is making his return to the UFC uh, looked if you saw him on the scale he looked he like like he was in the best shape I've ever seen him in my life uh, so yeah I'm excited for that because someone's going to bed uh, obviously Brian Kelleher the Sajari you bring Sarah Morris fights interesting it might not be the most exciting but uh, any bantamweight fight in the women's division is I think the stakes are really high because they're running out of contenders so you can win three in a row and you can have a title fight so that fight is really fascinating just for the stakes of play and then of course Ricky Simone Ray Borg I mean I think who who doesn't love that fight? Ricky Simone's off. He he's lost two in a row, but it was to Uriah Faber and I want to say Rob Font, but I'm not 100 percent off the top of my head. So it's like lose to a Hall of Famer, lose to a top ten guy, shaves his cuts his mullet off because he, he needs a fresh Bad fresh man. thing going on. So it's mm. like he loses two in a row, he needs to re- reinvent himself. Uh, and then of course Ray Borg made weight uh, after his his run of misfortune on the scale. So yeah, super fast former title contender 125. So uh, there's a lot of fascinating fights on this card. With, with, with all these salons and barbershops closed, why would Ricky Simone cut his hair? I've, I, I have serious I have serious questions. I think someone cut it for him uh, because it was very neat. It was very neatly like it was cut, but there were still like designs in the back and stuff. So I think someone <laughs> cut it maybe in his room or something. Like I ran into Francis Ngannou. Uh, before his fight and he was like I was like you get your fresh cut and he goes bro this isn't a cut and it's like you can see the designs are in there but it's clear it's definitely not uh, what we're used to seeing most surprising thing about UFC 249 hashtag the A side from the C side on it happened yeah it happened that's a big surprise but PT what was the biggest surprise from the night of fights from you um, the biggest surprise from the night of fights um I knew Bryce Mitchell was a very good grappler. I didn't know he was that good of a grappler. I didn't know he was that um, brilliant. He is brilliant. I've never seen a person move into arm triangles and, and twisters so effortlessly. He didn't need a finish for me. I could have watched him grappling for an hour solid. Um, Charlie Roses, as I like to call him, is a, is a fantastic grappler as well. Um, He's shocked me many times before. He shocked me before in Boston. I remember being at a fight once and he was the underdog. He pulled off a submission, I believe. Um, so I was really, really impressed with him. And um, yeah, I'm sure I can think of a lot more other, other shocking moments. But uh, that that one to me was a big eye opener. I know he got that twister before. and his, um, But I just, I, I, I don't think, I think that performance was absolutely unbelievable. And uh, he, he's brilliant. I can't wait to watch more of him. Casey, biggest surprise from UFC 249. I wasn't no no real surprises, honestly. Um, 
I, you know, I would say Bryce Mitchell. That you know, uh, we we have all our you know you, you have your, we have we have our internal predictions of who's going to win, who we think is going to win. And you know, sometimes like I like I had Michelle Waterson winning, and I thought and I thought she actually won the fight, but you know, I wasn't like way off. My Same pick. here. But but the Charles Ro- Charles Rosa, I I actually picked, I was pretty confident Rosa was going to beat Mitchell. I was not a big Mitchell guy. I thought he was kind of one dimensional, or you could once you stop that, you know, you you'll defeat him. But you couldn't. But Rosa could not stop that. It was I scored it thirty twenty four. That was in a, in a dominating, yeah. exciting thirty twenty four. Not just I'm lying on top of you. You know, thirty twenty four. It's like it was. I mean, heck, that couldn't have been a thirty twenty. I mean, those 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 grap the the grappling domination was just insane. I think one sided of the fifteen minutes of fighting. I think Rosa was most likely defending a submission. What fourteen minutes and fifty seconds at least. <laughs> and maybe those other 10 seconds it was neutral at not one point in that 15 minutes there was rosa in an advantageous position which is in- incredible i think and uh yeah bryce mitchell just yeah, looks it, like um he looks he actually just looks like a much better athlete than we're, we're, we knew he had the technical skills and just the uh, tenacity but um looks like his his athleticism and um just his just his, his ground awareness it's just it's just he's he's got a very high level High level fight IQ on the ground, and um, I think that's yeah. If Charles like, Rosa wasn't a black belt, that was like that fight wouldn't have lasted like three minutes. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was I, I think sorry, I, I think I think the like a really Im- impressive thing as well. Um, sometimes we see really good grapplers, like really good submission specialists. Um, anytime he wanted Charles Rosa on the ground, he got him there. Blast double. Incredible, incredible takedowns, incredibly explosive, and that'll speak to the athleticism that Casey was talking about. Um, and he's already got a rabid fan base because I was looking at our, um, about the the media picks in general, and I saw a lot of people talking about Charles, Charles Rosa, and I put up on Twitter like, "Well, it's, uh, a lot of people going for Charles uh, Rosa tonight," and I swear to God, I had lots of people, "Hey, fuck you, man," for even saying <laughs> that. I saw people picking Charles Rosa, and one guy in particular, some fucking lunatic. Uh, anytime I tweeted for the rest of the night, he just kept on putting that tweet underneath where I was like, I see people are picking Charlie Rose, and he's like, what about this, asshole? Are you going to address the elephant in the fucking room? I was like, oh, my God. Someone give that man a drink. Fucking hell. It's in interesting. Interest, well, like, I was at the UFC Boston card that Charles Rosa won. That was his last fight before the Mitchell fight. And uh, he said, I have the best grappling in the division. That is what Charles Rosa said. That, so that's... Knowing he said that makes this that fight so much more impressive to me for Bryce Mitchell. Imagine if he got him in another twister; that would be insane. Back to back twisters on a black he belt. He was so close. I've never I've never seen someone defend a twister so far deep so many times. Like he was just trying to get his head. Like if if Bryce had got the head on the his arm underneath his head for the crank, it was over. And he was in that situation where he's trying to get his head, hand on there many times. I think maybe four or five times. So. And like I know he lost a fight emphatically, but I was fucking really impressed with Charles Rosa not getting submitted. I was like, this fella, that's a real fighter, man. It was over on every level, but he was still like, I'm not getting submitted tonight, and I, I do respect the fuck out of that. Charles Rosa is the submission version of a beating that Tony Ferguson took standing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. That's exactly. Um, I was really impressed with Lexi Olenek. Came in 227 yeah. pounds and beat the crap out of Fabrizio Verdum. An impressive, not, not like a barn burner fight, but I was very impressed with uh, Aluna came in 10 pounds lighter. Like he's weighed 227 at heavyweight going to fight Verdum. 
inside an octagon. So, yeah. That Verdum looked like, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Olenek. It, it was a great performance. I thought he was going to get whooped up, too. Um, I thought he was, was going to get beat up on the feet from um, from Verdum. Yeah. But that looked like the for, the Fabrizio Verdum that fought Junior Dos Santos. If you remember that fight, like, yeah. he kind of can't, can't, like, tubby and just, like, looked like he just went in there going just on his own jujitsu skill set, hoping that would win him the fight. But, yeah, um, Verdum, I think Verdum's layoff was not uh, – didn't, didn't benefit him. Not at all. I think uh, – the credit, I think a lot of credit should go to the uh, Olenek's team. Uh, as 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 Jose said, he was down a lot of weight. He looked physically better than ever. And the fact that he knew, like, he knew if he let uh, Verdum get his job going, say like Verdum did against Travis Brown, um, the fight the fight was going to be over. And he just, he smothered him for every second of the fight. And you can see how, how much it was taken out of him by him lying down between rounds. Absolutely incredible. But I think his team knew and they had planned for that output. That's probably why you saw him lose so much weight. And look, he's not the most technical striker in the world, but his effort, his output won that fight. Um, Verdum never got going. And it, it's probably one of the greatest wins of Olenek's career. And credit to him. And it's just about now. Will we ever see Verdum fight? fight in the higher echelons of that division again, really, after a performance like that. That's the questions I have anyway. What in the world was that comment, Casey? <laughs> well, it was a good comment, but then I, but then I noticed the avatar, so I was like, I don't know if I should put that up there. <laughs> oh, you're dead. Uh, user, from YouTube commenter, your daddy, um, thought Verdun would have it easy with the knees due to Olenek's head movement, which is a, was a great observation. That's what, that's what I thought, too. But then um, I didn't. Re- but I saw your daddy, and I was like, well, I don't know. If I can't. I mean, I can't really see that avatar, so I might, might. I should probably take this off the screen. <laughs> Sounds like a cool guy. I was surprised at how uh, much better Greg Hardy looked. Like he obviously didn't look like a world beater, but you can clearly see like there, there's some uh, movement up in terms of his talent or skills that he possessed. He went 15 rounds with Jorgen DeCastro. I thought Jorgen DeCastro was going to destroy him. Uh, I was at his yeah, contender series fight. What, what I just thought DeCastro was a better fighter. Did DeCastro did he, he broke his foot though? Yeah. He broke his foot or toe or yeah, something. Yeah, it looked like he had some serious um some something something happened. Like a big uh, it was a big drop off between the first and second round right? to the point where like the second round, like almost nothing happened. And I was just like I remember I remember sitting at home watching it. I go, I was like, wait, I think Hardy won this round because DeCastro didn't yeah, yeah. you're kinda of just waiting for DeCastro, like, okay, he's getting his breath back. Because Castro looked great in first, the first round, he just looked too small. Yeah, you know, he just couldn't get in. But he, but he clearly looked like the better striker. More, um, he was moving faster. His feet were moving faster. But once um, the injury, I'm assuming an injury. Um, it was yeah. You know what that's, I want to think? Am, am, like am, am I crazy? Am I crazy to think I would love to see Greg Hardy versus Olenek? Is that is that weird? I, I love weird I matches. Lamb to, I think that's leading a lamb to slaughter. Who's the lamb? I have no idea. Hardy. I'd okay, love Hardy. To see. I, sure. I'd, I think, I think like, it's Ale- hard for me like, to... I don't think Sorry. Greg Hardy's... Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would say a Linux grappling is way... I don't know if he's a 10, but he's at least an 8 or 9, if not a 10, uh, with all the submission he has and the crazy submissions he has. And uh, he's beaten... He, he's beating Verdum. He's beating Mark Hunt. He's beating some really impressive fighters. And to throw Greg Hardy in, who's basically been fighting for a little more in the UFC for a little more than a year, maybe MMA in general for like three years. And 
Alexi Olenek is the only fighter on the UFC roster that's fought in four decades. Uh, he fought in the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and now he has two fights in the 2020s. The, the 1890s. So, yeah, don't don't make me, the 1890s. Yeah. So, yeah, Greg Hardy versus Olenek. I keep seeing that. I'm like, Hardy would get mauled. You get choked. You get the oxygen squeezed out of him. Some of us are here for that, though. Yeah, I mean, well, that, that's I mean, what it is. Where, the, where, the you thing want, is. You want to see a guy get beat up and want to see him get choked out. That's, that's, they're mixing the martial arts. You know, come on. The uh, the thing with the Hardy fight, like it's, I find that hard to be like, oh yeah, he's really improved so much when an injury to his opponent, I, I feel, you know, cost cost him the the victory a bit. Like not like I mean, yes, he's definitely made improvements. He's a lot more uh, composed. I feel. Yeah. But I I, the fight I'd love to see is Cyril Gann versus Greg Hardy. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. That's a that's a serious serious fight. He's a, look. They've put Greg Hardy in against way more experienced fighters already. Um, Cyril Gann has moved over from a striking background. Obviously, we have the international restrictions at the moment. But if if we could do any fight, put Cyril Gann in against Greg Hardy, I have a feeling Cyril Gann is going to be huge, especially as legalization as MMA in France is going down. I feel like he's going to be a huge player. Um, so, yeah, use Greg Hardy's star to uh, propel this guy because um, I, think, I think he's a, a big deal and he needs a name like that. And and a, and a kind of a, a fight that's competitive to really show people what he can do. Uh, Pizzi, I want to throw a question up here real quick. Just because I really want to get this um, elephant. Uh, how, how how did the guy say the the elephant in the fucking room? Um, yeah, because <laughs> I think I think we can answer this quickly and then move on because we are getting lots of questions about this. And but I, do, I don't want to focus on this because there are some legal issues. But let's just talk about it very quickly. Okay. Oops. Are you guys allowed to be honest about COVID testing at the UFC? Hashtag disparaging. Yes. 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 I can comfortably say that if I see that in no way, shape, or form does that contract inhibit what I would report. I I am 1,000% comfortable. If I see something that is happening, I'm going to report on it. I'm not going to ignore it. I think – we all would do the same thing. If I saw, and this didn't happen, I don't want people to say this happened. If I saw all of a sudden the UFC just taking all the COVID tests and just throwing them in a dumpster after they were tested, you better believe I'm going to say something. Like, that's worth, like, I don't care. Like, I have, but like, I have no, like, Dana White didn't wear a mask. I think that was stupid. I am comfortable saying that. I am comfortable saying that the UFC has. Uh, temp checks me uh, every single day. I have not been behind the curtains to watch every single COVID test. I took a COVID test. I was told I came back negative for antibodies and COVID. Uh, but I, people are asking me to report on fighters getting tested. Everything is behind a curtain. I can't just walk behind there. I have like this name. This wristband means I got temp checks, but that's it. I can't just be like reporter coming through out of the way. I want to see uh, this this COVID test. I just can't do that. But you, there is in no way, shape, or form, do I feel inhibited by my like. I don't feel my reporting would be inhibited at all by that contract whatsoever, at all. And a lot of people, I agree. I I saw everyone talking about it on Twitter. I saw it on the internet. Y'all can just call me. <laughs> no one called me about it. That's all, that's but that's what I have to say about it. 
Here's the thing. Um, everyone's saying, why aren't you talking about this? I, I know Jose's been on about five or six shows talking about this probably already. Don't be stupid. This is not the media's fault. This is the UFC for putting a ridiculous contract out there's fault, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I'm not, I haven't signed shit because I'm not there. But that's the situation here. I don't know how this has turned into the media are, are this and that again. It's It's stupid. Think about this. Who's forcing this issue after people have flown across the country to be there. It's not the, the media. It's the UFC. If you have a criticism, it's for them. Oh, there you go. Got it. You will get honest COVID testing related information from MMA fighting. Do not worry. Yeah, with a dash of fist fighting on the side. <laughs> Next question. From Pound D8, hashtag the A side. Big Did you guys feel eight. that UFC 249 was more intense because of the empty arena? Keep up the good work, guys. And Pizza, you're the best lad. And then he had a, a scissors emoji. Oh, legend. Here, have one of these. Have one of these. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> so uh, before I give my answer, because I was there, I'm sure my answer is – I know my answer is more different than you. What did you, what did you guys make of the empty arena fights on the, through the broadcast? I'll, I'll talk about the main event. The main event – I see – I think that fight was so high level, so intense, so violent that if this, if there were 80,000 people there versus zero people there at home, me sitting there, I was just as stressed out. I was just like, Tony still got a chance. Oh my God, Tony's still alive. How's Justin doing this? You know, it was like, I, I, this, the intensity level was exactly the same. I don't know if it would have gone up or down. It was different, but, um, it was, um, it was equal. And, um, yeah, that's my kind of, my feeling on a, on a big fight like that. Peace. What did you make of the the whole ordeal without the crowd? Um, I just I, I I enjoyed it sometimes, and you know it's obviously the middle of the night here. You're talking about watching fights at five six a.m. Um, and some of it can be a struggle when it, it went. You know, you don't have the benefits of the crowd, and sometimes you're feeding off their energy a little bit when you're watching these fights. Um, I I found it very interesting to be honest. Um. And very, very different. And I, and I wonder, and I was talking to fighters about this, um, there were some big moments, obviously, in, in the fights. And I wonder if the crowd was there would have amplified some moments, like as in Tony Ferguson's uppercut at the end of the, uh, of the second round. Could you imagine the crowd, the noise they would have made there in in that situation um, after him pretty much chasing the whole fight up to that point? I mean, it felt as though there was no momentum shift after that. Um, I don't know if, if, if the crowd being there would... Um, would change that, but it, it certainly felt like there was just some parts of it. I spoke to you about on Eurobash as well, uh, Jose, about like when Cejudo retired. And I know he told you he really liked the fact there was no one there, but all these big um, ceremonious moments, I guess, didn't feel the same with, without a crowd. But uh, I thought it was very interesting. I, I wonder how I'll feel about it, say, in three months' time, like how much I'll miss the crowd then. Um, I think I'll miss them a lot, to be honest. It was the most fascinating fight card I've ever watched. I sat octagon side. So it was me and John Morgan are pretty much the only reporters octagon side. Uh, I was behind the blue corner during the fights, but I was next to the red corner. I mean, I was behind the blue corner during between rounds, but as you guys know, the, the corners kind of off to the sides when they run in and then they go to the other corner. So I was behind the blue corner between rounds. I was behind the red corner during the fight. So I could hear Tony's corner while he's fighting. And I hear Trevor Whitman, Justin Gaethje's head coach, between rounds. Man, Trevor Whitman is one of, if not the best corners I've ever seen in that fight. 
That fight was unbelievable. Like the way he he was talking to Justin, he there was a moment where uh, Justin Gaethje was like, "Man, this is a fun fight!" Like between rounds, and then he goes to sit down, and he's like smiling, and you could see him kind of like soaking in the fight. And then Whitman is just like he's like screaming. I can hear this all. He just goes, "Justin, right here!" And Justin like locks in, and he goes, "The last time you got this comfortable, you got knocked out." And Whit- and Justin Gaethje goes, "Happened twice," and he goes. Don't forget that. And then he started to talk about uh, the actual like uh, actual instructions on the fight, like right hand, left, this and that. So uh, it was very interesting to hear the actual corners between rounds without all the crowding. The low blow was very interesting uh, without all the booze surrounding. You could hear Justin Gaethje's like screams of agony when he took a low blow. And Tony Ferguson oh. being like, you poked me in the eye. You poked me in the eye uh, in the first round. Get back in here. And then Tony Ferguson talked a lot between rounds. Uh, telling the ref he didn't need 60 seconds. He's like, I don't need 60 seconds. I'm, I'm ready to go right now. So uh, it, it is an experience I'll never forget. I could hear the commentaries clearly. I could hear both corners clearly. I could hear the fighters talking. The punches were unbelievable. Uh, the one, I think it was after the low blow when Tony Ferguson followed, came out with like a body, body hook, like a hook to the body, and it was just like thud. It was like punching a piece of meat. It was, I've never, like, my body has never, like, tensed up so more after hearing a punch than that punch. It was just fist on meat, and it was just happening to be Justin Cage's ribs. Uh, So it is, without a doubt, an experience I'm never going to forget. It was super fascinating to watch. All righty. Thanks, Pound D8. You're a legend. There you go. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> from Susanna, when does the event start? How many hours from now? So confused. Um, I, well, Four hours, 20 minutes. Gonna, <laughs> I believe it starts a little later now because of the one of the, the Vittori fight is has been pulled. So let me see. I, I believe it's a little different. Is, that, is, everything, is everything on ESPN or ESPN Plus? I have no idea. I, I kind of find right. these things out like about five minutes before. I just go... Yeah, it's yeah. I believe it's like five or five thirty, Eastern. Yeah, Eastern. Immediate. Well, like I'm getting there at five. Like that's when we're getting. Well, that's when we're leaving. So it might start at five thirty or I don't. It's you're not. It's a mess. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's a mess. All right. Next question. What percent of chance would you give Justin against Habib? Also, what do you what do you do with Francis Ngannou if you are the UFC matchmaker? So we'll start with the first question, Pizzi. What percentage chance do you give Justin against Habib Nurmagomedov? 35%. Why 35? Don't know. It just felt right in the moment. <laughs> slightly, more, slightly more than a third chance? Yeah. So if they fight 10 times, you think Justin wins three and a half times? Is that basically... Three and a half times, yeah. yeah. Exactly three and a half. So, but so, you, so you would say that Habib was, is a heavy favorite then against, against Justin? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think honestly, um, like Justin's an incredible wrestler. Um, obviously he's very well decorated, but it's not it's not a wrestler match, you know. It, it's not a wrestler match, and I don't think Abib wrestles in a, a conventional conventional way either. Like it's 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 a complete onslaught. All the things we saw Justin Gaethje doing brilliantly on Saturday night, and he was absolutely brilliant. He was poetry in motion. Um, you know. The fight has to be taking place on the feet for that to happen. And and look, he he could stop um, Habib. He can be the first man since Gleison Tibau or 
whoever it was to stop a Habib takedown. And and if that happens, it's an amazing fight. But you know, uh, look, you were there, Casey, when when Habib fought Dustin Poirier. It was it was outrageous to watch the man, the, the onslaught. Like I mean, you you can't breathe for a second once that man gets a hold of you. And um, I think we we we're all guilty of a bit of the recency bias when a card's just happened. Uh, and I just think Habib's one of the best fighters in the world at the moment. I don't see anyone beating him at lightweight right now. And um, I guess that will make it all the bigger scalp for whoever manages to do it. You know. You know, everyone was as much as like people were so excited for Habib versus Ferguson because of all the you know ups and downs and you know like honestly to me as a, as a fan I was like okay that's a fight but I was so I thought I thought that fight fight was like Habib I thought Habib would be Ferguson nine out of ten times one of those type of things Habib versus Gaethje though dude I am just that's that's my dream fight I, I'm I've been wanting that fight to happen because like I think Habib is like a perfect lightweight. It's like no one can beat Habib. No one, no, 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 no one can stop his takedowns. No, no one will be able to withstand his top pressure. But then I, at the same time, I go, you know what? Gaethje's the perfect fighter. No one can take him down. He's so tough. You, if he touches you, you will die. You like that? You know, it's like, and like, and like, and, and someone like Ferguson. Like I predicted, I thought Gaethje was gonna knock out Ferguson in the first round. I, I was, I was so like, I was very confident Gaethje would win. And obviously, Ferguson lasted longer, but. I still don't think I was wrong in my prediction in a sense because I thought I thought it was just going to be too much for Ferguson to handle. Now, it's one of those things. Every round starts on their feet. That means every round, Ferguson has to get Gaethje down. And we've seen yeah. – Fer- we, and, and one of, one of the um, kind of the storylines that people were, uh, thought how Ferguson Gaethje would go is like, well, Ferguson would get beat up in the early rounds, but as they get tired, Gaethje would start fading, and that's when Ferguson comes and he's going to finish Gaethje you know, in the third, fifth, fourth, fifth round, you know, no one thought Ferguson would win early, you know? So, um, but now we've seen, we've seen a short notice, Justin Gaethje, semi short notice have ex- amazing cardio. So every round Gaethje, Ferguson, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Habib will have to get Gaethje down. That means he's going to have to withstand some big punches. And I just, actually, I don't know how the fight's going to go because I just, as as good as we think Gaethje is, his wrestling is, we still haven't really seen it. We still haven't seen him face a fighter where, like, all I'm going to do is try to take you down. I will throw some punches to scare you a little bit. Obviously, Habib does have some dangerous overhands, and he can't hurt you on the feet like he hurt um, McGregor. But um, but we've never seen Gaethje, at least a, 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 against an A-level fighter, where, like, I will take Gaethje down. That's my only game plan. So that's why I think this is such an incredible fight. And um, I can't wait till it gets booked. I'm just and and I give actually I give it a coin flip. Talk. I give it fifty fifty to answer the question. I don't know who's going to win that fight because I think those, those two guys, technical Justin Gaethje is chess is an amazing unstoppable fighter. Has uh, Habib Habib? I think it's about sixty forty because we've seen Justin Gaethje lose and yeah he wasn't technical. Uh, we haven't seen Habib lose uh, ever. Uh, he's undefeated. Justin Cage has been knocked out twice in the UFC. One of those was a three-round fight. One of them, of course, is a main event against uh, Dustin Poirier and Andy Alvarez, respectively. Not bums, obviously, uh, but I slightly favor Habib. I'd say 60-40, Habib. Uh, Got to go the undefeated champion. Uh, and it's the thing, uh, what Casey just brought up there as well, about a wrestler. Um, Daniel Cormier has famously said in the past that you can't wrestle for 15 minutes solid without taking a round off. Like if, if you're going to do that, if you're going to wrestle the shit out of someone for 15 minutes, 
you're gonna have to take a round off. We saw Habib do it against Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, he took the tur- basically took the third round off, was it, or one of those rounds? Those and rounds, yeah. um, that's gonna that's gonna give Gaethje a fucking huge opportunity, I'd imagine, right? Like it's and and, and you say technical Gaethje there. That reminds me of sea level Kane and post Usada Vitor. Is that the new? Is that the new one? Technical Gaethje is the new Gaethje, one. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Dude, I, when, Je- uh, when Justin, sorry, when Justin Gaethje, when he sometimes starts having too much fun, he starts brawling, and then he gets hit, and then he goes to Trevor Whitman, and he looks like a kid that just got busted, you know, taking some candy out of a cookie jar or something. Cookie out of a cookie yeah, jar. he said sorry. Like, I'm sorry, like, sorry, coach. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to answer this individual's second question, what do you do with France and Ghana? Pizza. Just tell him he's lovely and just stay over there. Don't come near me. I'm terrified of you. Don't don't even move slightly towards me. Uh, he's he is terrifying. Um, I didn't envy Daniel Cormier having to sit there as the heavyweight champion. <laughs> kind of go, oh shit. Um, I honestly like I thought like Jerzinho was such a like a, a slick kickboxer. I was like this could be a very interesting fight. And then you're like, oh yeah, forgot that he does that. Um, that was terrifying haunting as i thought it was it actually scared me that woke me up believe me that fight i was like oh my god oh my god i just kept on watching the replay going oh holy shit man what what is wrong with this guy <laughs> it's just it's just uh unforgivable power just just unbelievable i think that fight casey what are you, what are you doing francis it's all dependent it, it's, it's it's up to francis honestly it's up to dc and stipe um, here's, it's, it's, what, here's what I think is gonna. No matter what happens in the DC Stipe fight, Steve Francis's next fight or Stipe's next fight after DC will be Francis. Whether it's just a matter of whether it's for a vacant belt or he's defending the belt. Yeah. That is because if if DC wins and retires and vacates the belt, Stipe is getting the first shot. Francis is number one contender. Stipe beats DC and DC retires. Francis gets the next shot. So win or lose against DC, it's Stipe Francis next. I think right now Francis is the best heavyweight in the world. I know he doesn't have the belt. I know he lost to Stipe. Um, but I think of those three gentlemen, Francis Ngannou is the best heavyweight in the UFC, in the world actually, right now. I think that. And these, these, the only reason I don't say DC is because I think just DC, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's just time. It's just He's just old. He's and on the wrong side of 40. He's just on the wrong side of 40. It's just – um. He's just if, if this was prime DC, which I think I, I think we're all in agreement it's not because that's you know um, I just don't think uh, I, th- I just don't I think that just the physicality, the strength of Francis Ngannou, and just him getting better as a fighter, more confident. I just think um, he will beat DC. I think he will beat Stipe. And um, if I was DC, I mean that's just my I mean I know a lot of people go oh, you know what about the first fight you know he's going to get taken down. We don't know. We don't know how good. Um, Francis is on the ground yet. We don't know. But um, uh, I just uh, – I think he is. And I think that his power is just so off the charts dangerous. Um, like, like every round starts on their feet. And I think he learned a lot from that loss. Like we all say, people learn a lot from their losses. And um, I think if I'm DC, you just wait for Stipe because I still think the Stipe rematch pays more money than fighting Francis Ngannou. I don't – how long is Stipe going to be out? And you might not – and I don't think Francis is going to murder you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Stipe is going to murder you. Francis will. Yeah, but 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 I, I asked Noel McGrath this earlier in the week, and like I think I I agree with you, Casey. But 
I guess in my head, we've had four what well, four first round knockouts probably in a row now for Francis. Um and that's that's amazing. But we already knew he could do that. We already knew he could knock a man dead like he did the Jersey the other night. So why why and I mean, I'm just asking this in general. I don't have a problem with it. I'm just, wh- why do we think? Because I agree with you. I probably would pick Ngannou if he fought CB. Why would we pick him? Um, we haven't really seen the rest of his game develop that much, you know? Well, like he's still also, going I in. I do want to, I want to mention, like, go watch that fight. Go watch, like, his punches. Go watch the knockout punch. His chin is, like, right there. He's, like, winding up, like Todd Duffy. Yeah, it's not very technical. It is not technical. It's just basically leading with his chin and then coming with like a haymaker. So, but that that's uh, what makes him so dangerous. He can be technical, right? But when but when he has to just brawl and fight like your Jeff Goldblum on the on a street fighting some shirtless dude. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like if you just got a brawl, he Francis Ngannou can do that. If he if he needs to be tighter and technical and slow it down, you know, I think he can do that too. but like I said, no, I don't know if he's better on the ground. I don't know if he can control his cardio as much as he can on the ground. But I yeah. really think that when Stipe took him down and started holding him down, holding him down for like four rounds, like 20 minutes, I think, yeah, he just he, – he couldn't control his cardio. The skill set wasn't there. How long ago is that fight now? Three years, whatever, uh, two years? Yeah, that was UFC 220. We just had UFC 249. So at least two and a half years ago or so. I really believe Francis is just a much better fighter. And don't forget, remember, Stipe took a hell of a beating in that first round. Yeah, first round. Yeah. And yeah. remember at the post-press conference, if the post-press conference for that fight, you look at Nagano, you look at Stipe, you would have thought Francis Nagano won the fight. Stipe was all busted up. I mean, he won the fight, obviously. But, like, I mean, you got to go, go through hell to beat Francis. So, um, unless you get that weirdo fight with Derek Lewis, and we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Next question, Casey. Thank you, Sports Week MMA. Uh, la, 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 la. Where's Francis Johnson's? Oh, we can't just answer that. Oh, you know what? I like this question. Oh, don't. There we go. I get it. Oh, hold on. Yeah, move oh, no. Ah, hold on. I lost, my, I lost my background. Will Triple C be inducted into the Hall of Fame within a year from now? No, because he's going to come back and fight. Yeah, absolutely. Like, couldn't have answered that better. <laughs> but I think the better question is Triple C. He's a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, without a doubt. That's kind of there's zero. There is zero argument against him being in the Hall of Fame. I gotta say, like when. But the thing is, right? It's like they do the same shit with Colby Covington. They 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 let the character, um, they let the character feed into what they think of the fighter, like. Like, oh, you know, people who can't stand Cejudo, and that's all they think about. They just say, I can't wait till he loses. Um, and I know people who, who hate Colby, and they can't wait till he loses. And Darren Till's talked about it before. Um, he's an exceptional fighter, Colby Covington. There's no doubt about it. And Henry Cejudo is absolutely unbelievable. It the, the real, It's a real loss not having him uh, fight. He's an incredible fighter. Um, he's shown us new tools every time he's in there. He seems to be constantly evolving. Um you look at look at his look at the run of wins he's on. It's it's absolutely exceptional. That's a big loss to the sport. And um, you know, if he if he does retire, and to be honest, like I I I think he'll take some time off and he'll be able to get out of that character for a while. Like, look, he he told you guys at the post press post post eh, the press conference after the fights that he that he doesn't like this the portraying this kind of dude. It's hard work. Like I'm sure it is. Um, but I feel like. 
if, say, this kind of tournament of sorts plays out with Jan, Sandhagen, Marais and Sterling, they're going to need Suudo to come back and verify these guys afterwards. He's going to validate them. That's when he could possibly get the money he wants. I doubt he gets the money he wants because whoever gets the money they want in the UFC. But he will get something and he'll be he'll be, um, he'll be be brought back for that. I do feel like he will be in a good position to uh, put his bargaining chips down and get get a better deal um, if he does return in the future to, to validate whoever is the next champion, I guess. He'll definitely get a better deal. Um, I think what will happen, he'll be out for like a year and a half. And so so say the bantamweight division yeah. moves on. Say Aljamain Sterling beats Jan. Say Jan wins. Say whatever. All that's going to happen, there's going to be there's gonna be Cejudo sitting in his condo somewhere just on Twitter going, LOL, I'm the real champ. doesn't matter. And he's going to basically devalue that bantamweight belt until he comes back and actually defends it. I mean, I mean um, that was McGregor's. McGregor did that for forever, right? You know, by not defending the 45 he belt. He didn't even need to be the champion. Didn't need to be champion. I'm st- even though he vacated, he left the division, he's like, I'm still the best featherweight. I'm still the best featherweight. You know, he's like, well, fight me. It's like, you know, and eventually we got kind of, we got over that and everything because he had his losses and uh, at 55. But um, as, if Sudo retires at, you know, at a young age, 33 relative, um, yeah, that the, the value of the bantamweight belt will definitely be devalued until he actually loses it. So, so I think. You're not wrong. Yeah. So it's smart, smart prize fighting by Henry Cejudo. Smart, very smart prize fighting. That's how you do it. It, it sucks for fans, honestly, because you want to see the best fight the best. You know, oh, yeah, I want more fights. But for paychecks, for bank accounts, Cejudo's, Cejudo is uh, a champion right now or winning. <laughs> okay, uh, let's fly through these. We, we're, we're blabbing too much. Oh, oh, it's the fast round? Oh, you know, this one was shit, boys. <laughs> I'm ready to go for this. All right, here we go. La, 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 la. We can't answer this, ah, but let's do it too again. Henry, didn't realize Henry asked for a raise. Can you shed more light on his salary and what you think he's worth for the UFC and lower weight division? He seems to be coming into his prime, both pipeline and skill. Do you think he will fight again? My answer is yes. Yes. Uh, what, what other questions? I don't believe he was even the highest paid fighter at UFC 249. No. no. Got about a quarter of a million, did he? What? Got about a quarter of a million, did he? Something like that. I think Cejudo, uh, not Cejudo, uh, Ferguson was the highest paid. Do you think you'll fight again, Casey? You've already said, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he'll fight again. Um, uh, many, but but I, I don't think he fights for less than um, a million guaranteed, which he deserves. Which which he deserves, and the UFC is making enough money right now because, uh, according to reports, that UFC sold seven hundred thousand pay per views, which is an incredible number. That's something like forty million dollars revenue or whatever with very limited um, promotion. So they had to spend almost no money in promotion. And apparently um, all the COVID testing cost about, I think, $150,000. So um, I think uh, UFC has plenty of money in the bank to uh, pay Henry Cejudo a big paycheck. But Oh, man. Next question. Where'd the background go? There we go. <laughs> Did we answer this? From oh, no, Sean Denny. Did the hashtag the A side? Did the empty arena help Gaethje keep his head? I know women did an amazing job keeping him checked, but if you added the crowd energy and noise, could he have lost the head of it? I know PT mentioned so- something similar momentum at the end of round two on hashtag Eurobats. Uh, I don't think so. I don't. I don't <laughs> think so. I don't. I think Whitman uh, is a good enough coach, and uh, this like hyper focused and technical Gaethje that we saw against Ferguson 
is what we've been seeing his last three fights. Uh, so no, I don't. I think it maybe he would have been maybe more hyped. Uh, but I think Whitman, like what he was saying between rounds, blew me away so much, and how much he foc- he got just in case you to focus. Uh, so no, I don't. I I think the crowd there uh, wouldn't have played. A, I don't think it would have made Gaethje go crazy uh, and lose his mind. I just think he would have done two backflips off the cage when he won. That's about it. Yeah. Instead of his, I don't know what he did. He just climbed over. Then he was back. gonna. He was gonna do it, but then he slipped and he just hopped over the fence. <laughs> oh, okay, let's go into this. Uh, long this this will probably You're be cool. the last one. Because running up on time. Cruz versus Peterson. In my opinion, there are two things that'll end a referee's job because those are unforgivable. Those two are getting bribed to influence a fight. Uh, fights outcome and being drunk on the job. Cruz this weekend accused Keith Peterson of one of those horrendous mistakes as he. Uh, refer to him smelling like booze. If he indeed, if he indeed thinks Peterson was drunk, why didn't he report this? The athletic commission, who will definitely overturn the fight outcome if it's true. If he didn't actually think Peterson was drunk, what's the punishment for Cruz falsely accusing the referee of the worst thing he can do and thereby altering the way everyone looks at this guy doing his job in the future? Well, I don't think anything will happen to Cruz in this situation. Uh, I haven't seen Keith Peterson at all uh, since then. He was at this hotel. I just haven't seen him since the fight. Um, so, yeah, to set the scene, uh, Dominic Cruz accused referee Keith Peterson of smelling like cigarettes and alcohol uh, in the back boys fight. Said he wouldn't even look him in the eye and this and that. And that was a big red flag to Cruz. So, Pizza, your thoughts on the matter and what should what should we do about this situation? I think uh, Dom Cruz, you know, I think that's a it's a big thing to accuse someone of. And it's just, I, uh, you know, for Keith Peterson, um, it's a it's a, you know, an accusation like that could could definitely uh, have repercussions on your career so it's just so out of the character for Dom for me um, he's always been an amazing sportsman um, and he still is Like the, I'm not taking that away from him but it's just the fact that he came out and said this um, and, and not not a, not immediately after the fight you know he had a few you know I know it came out in that Megan O'Leary interview but he's had a few days and he's still talking about it like I'm not I'm not questioning whether Dominic Cruz smelled that off the guy you're going to smoke it's not illegal but I mean the drink thing is is really bad, you know. So um, I don't know. I I feel like I feel like it's a very tough spot um, to prove either way that this wasn't the case or it was the case. Um, but I, I feel sorry for Keith Peterson. I didn't have a problem with the stoppage. Um, I I understand why Dominic does, but it, it seems like a bit of a messy one for me, to be honest. All right. There you have it, folks. Oh, You're going to let me have the last uh, one? That, that's a terrible yeah, idea. Grace is, uh, nah, I'm going to skip that one. Oh. <laughs> In your opinion, was no. any stoppage controversial outside of the A-side? The only controversial one was the co-main event, and I don't think that was overly controversial. Well, I mean, I, I get why bad. Dominic clearly has some argument that he was getting back up to his feet, but, I mean, he got kneed in the face, and he fell down and was getting punched a whole bunch, so... Uh, I think, but yeah, I don't think it was overly controversial. I think that stoppage sucked. I think Keith Peterson is a good ref, though. There you go. I do as well. I actually do think he's a really good ref. So I think the stoppage sucked, and I feel bad for Dom. And no comment on the whole smoky thing, but um, I guess I just don't know, <laughs> to be honest. Mm. But um, I thought it was a bad stoppage, and um, but. It wasn't the worst stoppage, and um, I understand why Peterson stopped it, though. Yeah, I, I understand what he saw, but I just thought it was a bad stoppage. 
Is that it? Are we out of questions, Casey? Um, we got anything, we're, anything we're, on anything? We ran up a little. We're a little past time right now. No, we're at 55 it's minutes. Two, we're at 55 minutes. Let me look. Let me look at YouTube comments. Um. Yeah, real quick. What's your thing to be here today, lads? Who's Darren Till gonna fight next, Pizzi? Probably Rob Whitaker, I guess. When? Ah, fucking. The Fight Island, I guess. Is it? I November. Guess. <laughs> there you go. Till v. Whitaker, Fight Island, November. Pizzi's on record. Um, <laughs> who's next for Calvin Cater? Yeah, I, I said this after Calvin's fight. I would love to see Calvin v. Yair. Or I'd also, but, really? but I've been Brilliant waiting for, for Yair. Yeah. I've been waiting for Yair vs. Zabit for a little longer, and they're both coming off wins. Uh, so I kind of want Yair vs. Zabit a little more, uh, but I don't hate Calvin v. Yair at all. What did you guys think of um, the Tony stoppage? Early, late, didn't just on time? Didn't have an issue with it. Uh, I don't think it was late. I don't think it was early at all. I think uh, if, if it was going to get stopped, it could have been anywhere in that fifth round, but I think Herb Dean was the ref. He clearly saw something and stopped the fight when he thought. And I thought it was a. I, I was. I was absolutely fine with the stoppage. Oh, definitely. Definitely wasn't I, early. I, definitely. I think we're going if it's late or just on time. No one thought. I don't think anyone thought it was early. No one. I thought it was. I thought it was on. I thought it was right. Ferguson never went down. He still had. He was. Herb Dean was saving Tony from himself for not falling down or not. Uh, you know, like most fighters would crumble, but Tony Ferguson wanted to keep fighting. But this, you know, I I was thinking about this today actually, like how the idea of stoppages in the in MMA are just so stoppages and damage is such a weird thing that I still don't quite understand because we look at what, we look at the damage Dom took and the fight got stopped in the first well into the second round with and before that the first nine minutes neither, neither of them really took any significant damage and then you know one shot you know was enough the the ref felt that was enough damage to stop the fight but then we look how much damage that. Uh, Tony Ferguson took, and we look at how much damage say Nico Price took. Like it's just yeah. like the 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 disparity in the amount of damage for a loss is just so just so different between fights. It's just and um like we we're I was well, I was watching fights of Esther and the Ferguson Gaethje fight, and I was like, dude, if this was boxing, this fight would have been over probably midway fourth round. Yeah. you know, they, like the corner went to throw yeah, the towel, and like for some reason MMA. MMA MMA, we let the fight as long as they don't fall down, we let them take way more damage. Yes, I, and I, I always I felt like refs and stoppages put too much weight in falling down in MMA because falling down doesn't necessarily mean that's not the end game. Like boxing, the whole point is to stay on your feet. MMA is not to stay on your feet; it's just to win the fight. So I I, I think um, the idea of falling down is. Is, is, there's a little too much weight in it, especially for guys like um, Tony Ferguson, like Nate Diaz, guys who just don't have that button that just turns them off. So it's just, um, I don't really yeah, have an answer. It's I, just weird. I agree with you. I think everyone always wants the spectacle, right? They want the the big knock, the someone to the media half dead on the ground. Like that's what people actually want, like casual people anyway, people who don't consume the sport a lot. That's the way they expect MMA f- fights to finish like someone kicking someone's face off into the next county or whatever quick couple quick more couple uh, couple more however so what does aldo do if he doesn't get a touch at 135 i see him going back up at 145 am i the only one who wants to see aldo versus cater no aldo versus faber but it's not going to happen uh because of fight island uh it's international so aldo would have to fight an international person uh bantamweight anyway right no well D- dana's been saying he's going to send gaichi 
to Fight Island. We That's can't get fair. we can't get international oh. fighters in the states, but we can send American fighters there. Apparently. I don't know if that's actually Aldo possible. versus Favor, 135. I've been saying that since Favor came back, and Aldo dropped So Aldo's going to go from a title fight to fighting a guy that just got whooped up by Peter Yan? Cool. Yes, Whatever. he's going to fight a Hall of Famer. <laughs> fighting a Hall of Famer. Two Hall of Famers thrown down. Uh, I don't know why he wants Cater v. Aldo. That's sinful as far as I'm concerned. Ben Burroughs is also out there doing a lot of damage. I don't know. I kind of I like, like Cater Aldo. I don't know. All right. There you go. And what's our next one? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Nah, whatever. We're good. All right. That's it for time, guys. As always, Pizza, you want to say anything before we sign off on this episode of the A-Side? I got to get ready to go to the arena soon. So uh, what you got to say? Nothing. Just looking forward to going to the toilet after this, to be honest. There you go. Pizza. I mean, Casey, can you talk Pizza's promo? Yes, yes. Um, I just want to talk about what a lucky, what a unique opportunity we are as MMA fans to see. Because this won't happen again, maybe ever, hopefully. Well, we're going right. to see the, the best fighters in the world fighting empty arenas with no fans. So, and just to show you what a unique perspective that is, when the UFC, um, when they have cards, they send us footage and to, to we can use for a promotional, I mean, for not promotional, but for like newsreels and things like that. And they send us the video package from 249. Now, normally this is sort of crowd sounds and everything like that, but I want you to, I want you, I'm going to play this video. I want you to hear the sounds of the fight. With no commentary. Because a lot of times you hear Rogan and no Cormier yelling and stuff. But just listen to this. I just want you to listen to this. This is, I think this is pretty remarkable. Hold on one moment. Turn up your speakers, guys. So we're going to let it loop one more time, but I just think this is just... This is why I just love the fact that there are no fans. There. Not for every event. But just, we have this moment where we're going to have a few fight cards where there's no fans, no, no even like friends and family. It's literally just the corners. Corners and commission and other people who aren't going to be cheering. They're actually working. Everyone's working there. Like, there's not one person around the cage that isn't getting a paycheck in a sense. There's no fans. And I just think this is such a unique, unique opportunity for fans. Because, I mean, I, I've, I've seen, I've seen high-level ja um, MMA in Japan. There's still fans. You still hear things. Even in the tough house, there's still the teammates cheering. The fact that you're never going to get this is just the most raw sounding your sounds you're ever going to see in high level MMA. MMA ASMR. <laughs> and I didn't realize how hard Greg Hardy had hit Castro. Like oh, yeah. like that was like that hit, I th I couldn't I should have knocked Castro out honestly that when he came out that straight right. Oh, that that uppercut is bad, isn't it? Oh my god. It was right in front of me. It was about ten feet away from me. <laughs> 
So how, how do these sounds, um, do these, these bring back memories to you, Jose? Like, how? They do, man. Like, I told you, like, that body shot that Ferguson hit on Gaethje, like, made my butthole clench. It was insane. <laughs> I was like, oh! Like, it was, it was, yeah, like, the footwork, too. Like, you know what really sticks out of my mind was Jairzinho bouncing off the fence. Like, they didn't show that, obviously, but, like, the knockout blow, it wasn't him, like, yeah. it wasn't the punch. It was the body. It was the weight of a heavyweight falling down onto the canvas that stands out in my mind. So, uh, you know, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it was, unfortunate uh, it too. Um, the, the, the Nagano knockout wasn't the actual knockout. It was the silence after the knockout. Yeah. When he, when, yeah. when everyone, because it wasn't cheers. It was like, I was like, oh my God, Nagano did it. Then you're like, oh my God, he killed a man. Now we have to worry about no biggie boy. Right. Is he okay? So I just like to hear just like silence. You just hear the pitter patter of the doctors walking in the cage. Woo, right. MMA, crazy sport. <laughs> All right, Jose, do, do, do your cool sign off. Well, I'm Jose. That's PT. That's Casey. We're, this is going to be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all that fun Dance, jazz. PT. Of course, on YouTube. Uh, PT's going to sing us a song before he goes. He told us me. He told me himself. He doesn't. He, if he doesn't sing, he hates everyone in the world. So, PT, uh, play our theme music with your mouth. Casey, you sign us off. Beep, beep, beep. Thing, boop, 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 boop. I don't know this one. I'll give me enough time to get used to this. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. <laughs>